Shalom and welcome again to another Seekers of Meaning TV show and podcast, The Arm of Jewish Sacred Aging. I'm your host, Rabbi Richard Address, and again, you can reach me for comments and suggestions at Rabbi Address at JewishSacredAging.com. And we remind you and thank you for your continuing and ongoing support of our podcast and our work at Jewish Sacred Aging. And if you'd like to make a tax-free donation to help support that work, go to the website, JewishSacredAging.com, click on the donate button and just follow the really simple, easy prompts. What are the challenges that we've come across in our work with Jewish Sacred Aging uh, as we are living longer and hopefully living better uh, is so many of us <coughs> who are finding themselves either widow or widowed or divorced seek companionship and want to solemnize that through a second or perhaps third or fourth marriage. And the question becomes, uh, as a rabbi, doing premarital counseling, uh, some of the changes that are necessitated by talking to somebody in their 70s or 60s or 80s, as opposed to somebody in their 20s or 30s. So to investigate that and explore some of these issues, we are very, very uh, delighted to welcome Carl Veneer, a recent ordinee of the Rabbinic Pastor Program for the Olive Seminary in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, we are very delighted, Carl, to welcome you to Seekers of Meaning because you have a particular interest in this and uh, study in this and a new book on this and a website on this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So without further ado, Baruch Abba, welcome. Nice to see you, Carl. How you doing? Thank you for having me here. I do appreciate it. So um, talk. Uh, you, you did your rabbinic thesis, your uh, project uh, around this issue. Um, first of all, why? And what were some of the major things that you found? Yeah, so uh, many years ago, I became aware of the lack of guidelines, guides for people doing premarital counseling with exactly those people you talked about, the older people, the second and third marriage people. There are lots of guides out there and lots of programs for people who are just getting married for the first time, people in their 20s, people in their 30s. Um, but the issues are very different. So I, I was intrigued at that point, but at that point I was also involved in the divorce business. I was a lawyer and then a mediator. I spent 40 years helping people get divorced. Um, and I worked with probably a thousand people. So I knew basically what was needed, but I wasn't prepared to do anything about it. And, and, and at that, but when I heard about that, about the need, I was still doing divorce work. I had been doing probably 40 years worth of, uh, legal divorce work and then divorce mediation. But then five years ago, I entered a new phase and I entered an ordination program, as you mentioned, through Olive, the organization of Jewish renewal to become a rabbinic pastor and as one of my projects to meet one of my requirements, I started working on this guy. And, um, and it meant uh, interviewing rabbis all around the country, interviewing people who had gone through this, doing some research, and finding out what I thought the issues were to put down in writing 
to guide people who were entering into these marriages. So uh, about a month ago, uh, we interviewed uh, Linda Hirschman, who uh, is a marriage and family practice therapist and who wrote this book that we did on the podcast on, on the middle of July on gray divorce. And the fact that this explosion, even with the pandemic, although it moderated a little bit with the pandemic, of uh, baby boomers getting divorced, um, interestingly enough, led by women initiating this more than men, or equally uh, as well. So the whole this whole area has changed. And as you mentioned, you spent your your career as a lawyer in mediation and dealing with divorce. Now you're going to put on a different kippah, so to speak. Um, uh, the The project that you did, and full disclosure, we uh, we worked a little bit on this. Um, it's is it a guide? Is it a manual? What yeah. was the it, focus of this? It, it ended up being a fifty-seven page manual for doing premarital counseling with this type of couple. And it includes uh, anecdotes about people who have gone through it and then either wish they had been counseled differently or had great experiences. There's anecdotes, then there's information, and then there's questions to ask. Or if you're reading it as a person getting ready to get married, questions you should be answering as well as asking for yourself. Because there are so many different issues. By the way, just as an aside, that explosion of divorce, gray divorce, people in their 50s and 60s is coming when the rest of the divorce rate is going right. down. Right, right. So whether it's because people don't get married till they're later and more mature or um, simply because people want to stay together, the divorce rate is going down. Those people who are in their 50s and 60s, I believe, in the old days, they would say, oh, my kids are out of the house. I got 10 more years to go. I'll, I'll make it through that. And now they're saying, oh, my kids are out of the house. I got 30 years to go. I don't want to live another 30 years. So then they divorce and they get back together with someone else because human beings don't like being alone. So they find someone else. And I don't think they're prepared for how many new issues there are. Issues of blending families, issues of how they're going to run their finances, issues, quite truthfully, of how to take care of their parents. In, in premarital counseling with a 25-year-old, you might be talking about how you get along with your mother-in-law. In premarital counseling with a 55-year-old, you're talking about how are you going to feel when the two of you have to take care of your spouse's mother or bring her into your house, or put her in a home and pay for part of that, all of which becomes a very, very different way of looking forward to these marriages. What about also who's going to take care of each of us? Because if I'm 70 years old and I'm, I'm walking into your office and we're going to get married, if I'm 70, odds are that sometime within a, at least the next two decades, one of us is going to have to start taking care of the other and maybe both at the same time. Right. And people don't think about that. They don't want to think about that. You know, they just want to think about, well, I found someone else. I'm in love. Or I, for those that have never been married, 
oh, I finally found someone. I'm in love. Let's get together. And if I was sitting with them and said, well, who's going to pay the bills? And they would both say, I am. Then you know they haven't even discussed it yet. Or what's going to happen when you get sick? Or if they're still working, what's going to happen when you want to retire and the numbers change? What are your expectations? And and by the way, not the least of it, what are your expectations about what you're going to do with your leisure time? What are your expectations about what your um, love life is going to look like? Um, you know, it's a big deal for people in that age group, and they really don't want to talk about it. And to be quite honest, the people doing the premarital counseling are not trained to deal with those issues. A lot of them are financial. A lot of them are emotional. So talk just a little bit, you, you did research on, uh, there are certain programs right now that many colleagues use when that young couple walks in and do they in any way, shape or form, like prepare and enrich address the um, older adult population? Yeah, they address it somewhat, but not to the same extent that this guy does. Prepare and rich is a great program. I I, I did the program as part of the research to see what kind of stuff they were doing. And there is a lot of stuff about communication that you have to deal with and what needs to be communicated. It, it's really a, a wonderful program. Uh, my guide, my manual went a little deeper into the real specifics of the issues that people are not contemplating. The issues like, um, how are you going to merge your finances and how are you going to tell your adult children what you're doing with your finances? I can't tell you how many times I had to deal with people who were fighting with their stepchildren after the death of their spouse because they hadn't taken care of it, or more importantly, because the children weren't made aware of what their parent wanted. Well, you have to talk about that. I, is some, some of the, Rabbis that I interviewed actually, and I, I put this somewhere in the manual, said that they prefer to do some of the counseling and meet with both people and their children. Now, that's a lot, and I, I wouldn't expect everybody to do that, but it, it's important. And I know there are rabbis that I spoke with in this, that actually the contact they first had was from the children, not right. from the people getting married. Because the children were concerned either about the speed, which is one of the very first things I tell people to ask for. When did you meet? Well, right. we met last month. We're getting married tomorrow. <laughs> that, that's a, a, that is a, a cautionary sign. Or because of the lack of communication is another, the kids don't know what's going on. They have to know. Otherwise, it's going to be a problem. And if, Rabbi, just one more, if they're, not that old that they have adult children. If they're in their 50s and they have teenage children and they just expect because they're in love, their kids will get along just fine, they, they, have, they haven't faced reality yet. Yeah. It's hard the, to merge families. No, it's very hard. And uh, I, I know from my own experience as well, walking this walk, <laughs> that, um, you know, the, the family secrets, like you mentioned, you know, uh, we have a meeting. I, I just want to let you know that we're getting married, but we never discuss this with you, even though you're, you know, all grown up and have your own issues. 
How much have you in your research as you prepared this and probably also drawing on some of your previous experience, um, do you run into some hostilities with adult children who say, well, if you, if dad, if you marry Shirley, what is that? How is that going to impact my, to be put it bluntly, my inheritance? Yes, it's the Yerusha question. You know, what's happening to my inheritance? And we do run across it all the time. And that's something that has to be dealt with by the parents and with the children. And sometimes the children are hostile just because of money. No, I don't care how happy my dad is. I don't want this lady taking my money. It's, it's not the most, um, enjoyable way to know your children are thinking, but they do think that way. Right. You know, I, right. I've waited 70 years for this inheritance and now it's all going to someone else. On the flip side, I've also had people who have come to me after their, um, parent died and the new spouse has stolen everything, literally stolen everything. The will that left things to the children, they then went and nothing was gone. Nothing was left. It was all right. gone. So you have to prepare for those both ways. In your research, and uh, you know, how, how often did you run into the necessity of uh, couples or individuals saying, you know, we're bringing each to this wedding, to this marriage, our own estates, our own this. So therefore, we really do need for everybody's protection a prenuptial agreement. Yeah. Um, I, several of the rabbis that I interviewed said they don't bring that up in their premarital really? counseling. And oh, I wow. was astounded. No, I bring um, it up all the time. The, the need for a prenuptial agreement needs to be discussed. You know, even if there's nothing that has to be dealt with, it needs to be discussed. And from a clergy point of view, unless you also happen to be a lawyer whose malpractice insurance is paid up, I would not be getting into the terms of the prenuptial, but I would be talking about the need for it, the need for a prenuptial agreement that will deal with what happens under the circumstances where one of us dies, where we get divorced again, or where one of us gets really sick and becomes incompetent. How do we deal with those kinds of things? And because otherwise, this the idea of this is to handle things before they become a problem. It, it, in some of my interviews, I had people who said, boy, I wish we had discussed this before we got married. Or boy, I wish we had talked to our children before we got married. And they just didn't. They figured, oh, we'll figure it out afterward. I had one couple that said, oh, we really don't need to, to complete this conversation. We talked about the fact that we were going to treat everybody equally, but we'll get around to it because my spouse is a lawyer and he or she knows what to do and they'll do it. Except I was interviewing them two years after they got married and it still hadn't gotten done. Wow. That's an issue. That's why as, as in premarital counseling, you want to make, well, you can't, you know, you can lead the horse to water so you can talk to them about it, but you can't force them to do the document. But, at least you should be talking about it. It's, it covers everything. And by the way, it may cover little things like we have certain family items that we want to stay in our family. I want the candlesticks that my parents brought from Russia to go to my daughter, not to be fought about 
you know, after I'm gone. Those are important things to discuss. Uh, You're going to be putting this together. This is uh, posting in the middle of August. So um, if a rabbi wanted to get a hold of this, um, just to look at it, and how how would they do that? Yeah, well, first of all, it's already, the manual itself is already posted in the resource section of your jewishsacredaging.com website. So right, they can right. always do that. I'm never going to take it down from there. I also am in the process of setting up my own website, which will be Reb Carl V, V as in victory or as in vineyard.com. Um, we've just set the name. Now we're going to start to set up the website. And in that website, by the time people, hopefully by the time this is aired, people will be able to not only see the guide, but also reach me if they have questions. This is, the, the guide is very extensive. It's 60 pages long, but it doesn't right. mean you won't have questions. And I'm available to answer those questions. Or if you're a couple seeking to, to have some of this premarital work done, I'm available for that too. So if somebody wanted to get a hold of you or a colleague say, I have, I'm, I'm working with a couple now. Here's some of the issues that they're presenting. Um, how would, how would somebody get a hold of you now? Well, right now they can just email me. It's rebcarl2022 at gmail.com. R-E-B or R-E-B? R-E-B, C-A-R-L, 2022 at gmail.com. That email's already been set up 2022 because that was the year of my ordination. You know, after uh, 46 years of practicing law and getting people divorced, now I'm interested in helping some people stay married. So it's a little different, and that's the web the email to you. So let me let me talk a little bit about that and ask you because this was the res- the end result of the. You, you're very reminiscent of many, many people right now. What in the world possessed you after so many years of, you know, I mean, I've been doing this for 50 years now. So what possessed you to want to go into a multi-year, I think it was four or five years of study, uh, to become a rabbinic pastor? Well, I mean, did you have a, a stuck in traffic on the Schuylkill <laughs> Expressway? Or? It, it was a, a very, very long journey. Let me put it that way. I first looked at the rabbinate in 1972 when I graduated from college. And I was yeah. thinking back then about going to the Reconstructionist Rabbinical College. At that time, um, they, the college required a degree uh, outside of the rabbinical school. I went right, to law right. school and I got a little distracted. You know, I had a family. I had three children. I had to support them. And I practiced law for all of that time from 1976 on. In, in, uh, 19, in 2015, 2016, I was turning 65 and starting to look at what was next. And I had been going to Torah study. I had been getting involved in Jewish education. And I found this Aleph program that was online mostly and enabled me to study, and the whole description of the rabbinic pastor program being a program for people that were interested in the pastoral side of rabbinics, it was exactly what I wanted. And my only fear was that I was too old. I started this program when I was 65 years old. I was ordained when I was 70. 
And I was worried about that until I spoke to the dean of the program who pointed out someone who was ordained when he was 84, who's when, you know, when told you're going to be in your 80s when you get ordained, he said, I'm going to be in my 80s anyway. And he went through the program and other people in their second and third careers were doing this. And this was something I, uh, I kind of got back to where I started in the first place. Interestingly, Rabbi, I just attended my 50th college reunion. And there I got back together with a whole bunch of guys from my fraternity, which was a very Jewish fraternity. But back then I wasn't sure anybody was interested. And when I told them what I had done, all of a sudden it was, oh, I go to Torah study now every week. Oh, I'm in a group that's studying this. And it really does get to that point that you've talked about often that People, the boomers especially, we return to looking for something spiritual, something beyond ourselves that ties us into a bigger place. And so they were, I was amazed how many of my colleagues were now really excited about Jewish study, about what it means to pray, about all of those kind of things. And when I told them I was doing premarital counseling, Instead of divorce, that they thought was a great shift to finally be able to, to work on that side. But it, it, it really says something about people who are in this age finding some purpose and meaning when they get older. And in the guide, by the way, that is one of the things I say needs to be discussed. What's going to wake you up in the morning besides the love of the person sitting next to you? Because that may not feel the same a year from now. So what's going to wake you up? Where can you join together in purpose that will give you something to live for? Which is a great thing to discuss when you're getting ready to get married. Right, especially especially in our age, when, when the, the reality of mortality is staring you in the face a little bit more than you when you're 30 years old. Yeah, yeah. At the reunion, we laughed about the difference in our conversations this reunion than 20 years ago at that reunion. And yeah, 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 you're confronting different things and we now have to deal with it. And there were several people there in their second marriages talking about what it was like to deal with their children. And I said, oh, read my guide. <laughs> it, it won't tell you the answers, but it'll tell you the questions you ought to be examining. And actually, to some extent, there are some places where it even gives the answer. Um, the the role of in in your research for the guide um how and, and and as you talk to couples i would expect the answer to be positive from colleagues but couples who've walked this walk did they speak to you about the role of of spirituality of faith mm-hmm. um or was it still just look just I want somebody to do the ceremony and leave yeah, me alone. Um, interestingly, there was just this huge range from people who ran off and got married at a justice of peace and didn't even tell anybody in their family to people that went wow. through the premarital counseling. Yet they all uniformly said, we need to be on the same page when it comes to where we are spiritually. Now, that doesn't mean have the same beliefs. It means be able to support each other in those beliefs. 
No, my wife and I don't have the same beliefs, but she, if she didn't support me, I wouldn't have made it through a rabbinic pastor program and I wouldn't be able to do the study that I do. And she supports it. She loves it. She just may not believe exactly the same as I believe. And that's important when two people are getting together. Not necessarily do you, do your, uh, opinions, do your beliefs coincide, but can they mesh enough that you can support each other in your spiritual future? And people, as we get older, we do tend to look more at that. There are exceptions. There are people who get older and have said, nah, that's not for me. But mostly what I found, and that's why I said I was so pleasantly surprised that all my colleagues have gone back to that way of looking at life. But a lot of the couples said, uh, I wish we had discussed this a little more. It's a good thing we're so in love so we can make this work. E even not the spiritual, but the actual religious practices. You know, I want to do this every week. I want to light Shabbos candles. I don't care about lighting Shabbos candles. Well, are you willing to have Shabbos candles lit? No, it, if, you know, particularly if the parties met three weeks ago and now they're getting married. Well, you, you, you raised something that, that I, I, I need to ask you in the guide. Where in the guide is, um, a discussion about interfaith marriages? Mm -hmm. Because that's, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to assume, I'm going to, I, I think that significant numbers of second marriages are not necessarily based upon affiliation with, with Judaism. And B, um, Given the explosion in, in diverse communities, um, uh, interracial marriages, LGBTQ unions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Because this is, this is going to be a lot more relevant, prevalent in this second, third, subsequent marriages, um, as the barriers have fallen. Yeah. The, the guy talks about it in several places. First of all, with older people, they may not really be caring so much about finding someone of the same faith because they're not worried about how they're going to raise their children because their children have already been raised. Right. So the guy talks about that in terms of you still have to figure out what you're going to do when it comes holiday time. <laughs> you know, are you going to have a, Christmas tree for your husband's family or not because your wife's family will be offended? Or do you have to have a, a lazy Susan that has a Christmas tree on one side and a Hanukkah on the other and you keep rotating them depending on who, who's home? I, I don't think you ever really want to get to that. So you have to discuss how you're going to deal with those other families, those, you know, your siblings as well. You know, you marry someone of a different faith. How are the siblings going to react to it? Are they going to accept you? Are they not going to accept you? And there's actually questions in the guide. How does your family get along with your soon-to-be spouse? Um, what do they think about that particular issue? And, and it is really important. Um, the, the issue of same-sex marriages is dealt with also in terms of how is the family going to deal with this, particularly, you know, we're of the generation that there are 
people who may still not be out. And right, now they're right. getting together with someone of their same sex or of, uh, of a non-defined, non-binary uh, situation. And their families are going to be surprised for while I was working on this guide, I was working in a, um, in a, a nursing home. And in talking with one of the rabbis there, she said there were people that came into the nursing home and came out for the first time. And there were, right. of course, people who years ago, if we were talking to clergy, they would say, well, I have such and such in the nursing home and he, he's got a problem because his, his son Sam is seeing someone that's not Jewish. Well, now it's his son Sam is seeing someone who's named Fred and grandpa doesn't know how to deal with it. So we have to be prepared when we're counseling those people how to deal with their father or their grandfather, how to deal with their children. It's, it's complicated. It's so complicated that it needs to be discussed in advance. And at the end of the guide, uh, if I remember correctly, um, you, you kind of like this 57, 60 pages of, of text, but you do reduce this thing to a, um, for like a one pager. So a colleague could say, I'm going to download these, these discussion starters that'll give me an insight into how to work with a couple. Yes. Right. Is that yes. correct? I, I designed this guide so that people could read the whole thing. It's not unbearable to read. It's got some really funny anecdotes, some sad anecdotes. It has anecdotes, but it's not so bad to read. But the last two pages are a single front and back page with questions and answers for the person asking the question. You know, here's the question, why you're asking this question. Um, how will you blend your families? Some say this is the major cause of marriages, of failures. That's a question with a little paragraph. And it's, I don't know, 25 questions on a single, that can be downloaded on a single back and, back and front sheet so that they can use it easily. Should remind them of everything they read before. <laughs> and so we look forward to, to seeing this on the website. Um, this is the middle of August and hopefully the website is, is if not up and running, ready to be go live as they say in the trade and uh again if somebody wanted to contact you with some questions or follow up or perhaps ask you to come and talk to a group in a congregation to talk about they would email you at how who, reb r-e-b carl c-a-r-l 2022 at gmail.com it's reb carl 2022 uh, all one word at gmail.com now, by the time this airs, there may be an, a way to get to me through the website, but you can always get to me through that email. Carl, listen, thank you very, very much for um, your time, uh, the project. Um, I really recommend if there are colleagues listening or watching this, um, check this out uh, either uh, with Carl's website. Um, do, you have, do you have a name of the website? Yeah, I think the website is going to be Reb Carl V, V as in Victory, V as in Vineyard, dot com. Because okay. we have that name, and, we um, just don't have the site up yet. You'll get it. And hopefully by the time this post, it'll be up. And as you said, you can access the guide through uh, our website, JewishSacredAging.com. Um, 
And we'd be more than happy if you want to make a connection, we can help you make that connection. So Carl, Tadarabhav, this is really important work, needed work. Um, and I hope many of our colleagues uh, take advantage of what you've done in your research and your work. And um, just stay healthy and continued good luck. And I'll see you uh, in Torah study soon. And thank you for letting me share this. I agree. It is important. Thank you. And to all of you, once again, thank you for joining us on this edition of Secrets of Meaning, the podcast and TV arm of Jewish Sacred Aging. Again, a reminder, if you'd like to continue to support our work, go to the website, jewishsacredaging.com, click on the donate button. Um, and if you want to contact me, just write to rabbi address at jewishsacredaging.com. A reminder that Secrets of Meaning is produced at the Broadcast Center of Lubeckin Media Companies in Cherry Hill, New Jersey guided by our expert producer, Steve Lubeckin. Again, I'm your host, Rabbi Richard Address. I thank you for joining us. In the meantime, and until the next time, stay safe, everyone. Shalom, be healthy, and be kind to everyone. It's getting crazy out there. Tada, shalom. <laughs>